Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is England is Burning. This is recording on a Tuesday morning in the ATL. It is November the 16th, 2021. This is a special episode and hope we, we will bring you more special episodes coming up. But this is a special episode called Fans Talk Back. The subject matter today is uh, is the referee forum. We're going to talk about the WSL's referee situations, good, bad, ugly, and different. What is it? What's going on? How is it happening? Whatever and so forth. Before we get into it, everybody, uh, uh, please smash a like on this video. Please subscribe. Please share with your friends on social media. If you are listening to the podcast, and there are many reasons why you would only be listening to this on the podcast, which I will not name um, and so forth. But if you're listening to it, please give a five-star review. We're on every single pod platform, including those that are probably illegal or on another planet. So, uh, but just give a five-star review and share with your friends. So today with me, again, very special. And unfortunately, Kate, who is uh, from the Manchester City Women's Official Supporters Club, was not able to join us for this one. She has a lot, probably has a lot to say. She actually is a trained referee herself. So that would have been been interesting to have her on. Um and there, and of course, her team has also been affected by referee decisions so far this season, uh, so far, which we'll probably end up talking about because that was a big one. So, to start off with, to really get a scope at the issue for me, the issue for me is um, twofold. One, well, actually, three. I'll get. I'll start with the first two. One, uh, the issues I feel like has compounded itself so far this season where I don't recall many episodes that we did so far this WSL season where we didn't talk about a bad referee decision, either a lines person decision or, uh, or, you know, or the referee decision in terms of, you know, various different possible infractions or non-infractions and goals that may have been goals and handballs and all this other stuff, which also means that uh, what's worse is secondly, the referee decisions, the lines person's decisions that have been made uh, have dr- drastically impacted each of the clubs that you represent. So before I start off with that, I, let me just introduce the panel to you because I forgot that and I'm horrible at that. So let me just start first. And you've seen these folks before. Y'all have been watching this for a while. First off, we have Mark. He's from uh, the Manchester United Women's Official Supporters Club. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi, Keith. Fine, thanks. All right. Next up, we got Josh. He's from the Islington Gazette. He's a fan, also beat writer for Arsenal Women. Josh, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, Keith. Thank you for having me as usual. All right, cool, man. All right, and and next we have, and not least but not, well, last but not least, <laughs> and so forth. Sorry, y'all. It's five-hour time difference. All right. Uh, last but not least, we have Rob Prattley from the CFCW Social, uh, Chelsea Women Fan writer, editor, all that, all of the above for Chelsea. <laughs> Rob, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much as usual for having me. Looking forward to what should be a good debate. Yes, this should be a very good debate. So first question, though, tell us, you know, tell us, and and, and uh, I don't know if I need to pick people first or who wants to start first, but tell us, because I want to know how referee decisions have negatively or positively impacted the club that you follow so far this season in a bad or good way. Mark, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the refereeing, some of the refereeing decisions this season have been awful. It, it, you can't say anything than that. 
Last week, Keith, was the first time during one of our shows we did not talk about a referee. We didn't mention a referee. The first time in about four or five weeks. And as you say, the refereeing decisions, they've impacted us. They're getting basic calls wrong. Offsides, they're getting wrong. The, the assistant referees are not keeping up with the last defender. It's basic refereeing decisions that they're getting wrong. Now, there are some rules that, yes, the referees will let go. The six-second goal kick rule, they'll let that go for as long as they can. They don't want to book a goalkeeper because it ruins the game and blah, 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 and all that. Yet, they're getting the basics wrong and they having the totting up process, which I, I fully expect and I agree with. But once they've done the same tackle, the same player's done the tackle two or three times, book them. The totting up process is done. You don't need to, you know... I know the women's game is played differently to the men's game. I, I know that. But get the basics right. Keep the same standard of officiating across all of the WSL and move and go forward from there. That's I, I don't want a lot. I don't. I just want them to get the basics right. That's okay. all. So, so Mark, let me, let, me, let, me, let me lean you back to the question. How has the poor refereeing decisions negatively or positively impacted Manchester United women so far? Okay, so take the Tottenham game, the goal in the last minute for Spurs. It wasn't a free kick. It, was not, it wasn't a free kick anywhere. And the referee decided it was a free kick because their player went down. Watch the, if you watch that game again, you will see the player, the, our player went in for a tackle and their player jumped over the player and fell over. And the referee, free kick. It wasn't a free kick in a bunch of Sundays. I, I, and, and that cost us a goal. It cost us two points. And we, look, we talked about this, Keith, for weeks and weeks. United should have been out far ahead. But that one decision is, the, is, is a decision that should never have happened. And that's just basic refereeing so that's neg that's given us a negative impact on that one mm -hmm. rob what about chelsea well i mean from chelsea perspective it's really easy um in the first game of the season away at arsenal there was one of the worst offside calls i think i've ever or non-offside calls i think i've ever seen to the point of the fact that the players stopped because they thought they were offside and they knew they were offside before the Lions person doesn't give it, it ends in a goal, and Chelsea end up being in a situation of losing 3-2, and suddenly at that point, you know, the club entered into a proverbial crisis, you know, there was a meltdown, Emma Hayes had suddenly gone from being the greatest manager on earth to being, you know, no better than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, and uh, it sort of was interesting, sort of, it was interesting for me, is that if that goal, that goal at the end of the season, potentially, or that non-goals, we should call it, should could potentially decide the title. It is possible that that is it because we know how tight WSL is, especially at the very, very top. And we know that fine margins do matter. And you saw it last year in Chelsea's game against Manchester City away at SEA campus towards the end of the season. And Katrin Berger's save from the header that effectively won Chelsea the title. Because if that goes in, it makes it 3-2 to City and suddenly they take the lead. And... You know, I'm not going to say that there will be no points dropped in the season. I think it's, you know, we've already seen that in case in point this weekend with Arsenal. We've seen it before Chelsea. You know, Manchester City are a mess. Everyone is going to drop points. And I think that's a good thing because the whole league in itself is getting stronger. And 
as much as you know, me and Josh might enjoy watching us wall at Manchester United six one. It isn't going to keep happening. We are no, they are going to improve. Um, but it is, you know, it's important I think to say that the refereeing in big games, and I also will send this to the UWCL. The refereeing in big games at times decides the game. And my absolute favourite thing would be after a game not discussing referee. I would rather be focusing on the game. And I don't mind losing a match. That's why when it came to Barcelona in the UWSL final, I didn't mind losing that match because Barcelona played outstandingly. In the same way, I'm sure that, you know, Josh had a little complaint when Barcelona beat Arsenal in the group stage a few weeks ago. Because when you play against a better side and they beat you, that's fine. It's when you play against a side and the big issue is the referee, that's when I think there's a bone of contention. Because I think then you aren't going to watch the referee and to critique the referee. You want to watch a good game of football. Gosh. Yeah, um, I just think that, you know, for Arsenal, you need to look back to just the Saturday's game. I haven't really had too many complaints for referees this season. I mean, the Beth Mead goal against Chelsea... First day of the season, it's a ridiculous decision, and it benefits Arsenal, of course it does. But she was offside. Um, but I don't think Arsenal have had too many. You know, like Mark says, the basics are very, very frustrating. But Arsenal have been winning games so convincing, convincingly this year that I sort of haven't had too many complaints with the referee. Um, but yeah, this weekend, I mean, ridiculous decision at Spurs, and from my point of view, the worst decision of the season so far. I mean, Beth made gets filed and it is a clear file, don't get me wrong, it is a free kick. Um but just play advantage and the fact that, you know, Jordan Nobbs puts the ball in the net and then the whistle blows. So and then she pulls it back for a free kick just after that. It's just a bizarre decision. Just either give the free kick instantly or play advantage and, and let Arsenal attack. So that's the only complaint really I've had with Arsenal this season and I still can't get over the decision and Look, Arsenal have only themselves to blame as well. I, I get that. I mean, they had so many chances in the game and Beth Mead, you know, hit the bar and so did Katie McKay. But that goal, and again, like Rob said earlier, that could be the difference at the end of the season if Arsenal aren't to win the title. We could be looking back to that decision at Tottenham and thinking if that goal goes in, then, you know, Arsenal might just go and win the league. I mean, there's so many twists and turns to go towards the end of the season, but... If that is the goal that sort of ends it, well, then that's extremely frustrating. Um, but like I said, for Arsenal this year, it's just sort of been basic decisions like little free kicks and things like that. But Arsenal have been, you know, winning so convincingly that there hasn't been a referee decision that sort of killed them, apart from just Saturday going by. Yeah, but you've had decisions that have you know, have both gone in Arsenal's favor in a big yep. way, but also gone against them in a big way, and so forth. Which brings up a which brings up a, uh, another thing. Uh, since Kate is not here, I'll mention Manchester City and, and Manchester City. You know, I've been very clear about this. They're they're an absolute mess right now, as Rob as Rob says, and this. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion at this point. But uh, you know, we spoke off air briefly before we started the recording. We talked about you know there was a handball decision against Tottenham where the the, the referee was right there. Some, you know, could see the ball hit the hit her hands. It was very clear cut handball, uh, but it was not even called. Uh, and, and and that you know that in, that changed the in, entire result. And also, not only that, I mean, as Rob is you're suggesting is that you know um, that that changed that also just continued the trajectory downward for City. You know, the difference of, of, you know, getting those points instead of not getting those points at all, 
at this point makes a big difference because right now city is sitting eight points away from a champions league slot. Um, you know, so it's like it entirely infects the trajectory of a possible mm. season calls that are that, that bad. And that's really the thing. I think that's a really good point. I will say with cities one, looking back at the fixtures, that Spurs game came after they beat Everton convincingly on the opening day. And now we know that Everton are a bit of a mess themselves. So I think that, you know, that result isn't so much an anomaly. It's part of course. But it came after the game against Real Madrid where they were knocked out of the UWCL and they needed to bounce back. And I remember I watched that Spurs game. Again, um, Spurs, uh, Becky, uh, Becky Spencer in goal played an absolute blinder for Tottenham. And, you know, on another day, City could have won it 4-5, you know, 4-5-1. But... In reality, because of the nature of that goal and the way that went in, if you then look at the pattern of their sort of results and performance after that, they were, you know, actually trounced by Arsenal the week afterwards. They beat Leicester in the FA Cup, you'd expect that. Beaten by West Ham, drew the derby, um, beat Everton, but again, you'd expect that. Lost to Chelsea, uh, you know, beat Leicester, but you'd expect that, and then lost to Chelsea again. So it's been that yo-yo of performance and that yo-yo of results and I think it is, you know, it's fair to say, and I think enough of us have said, I'm sure, you know, Kate has said it enough, that Gareth Taylor is sort of, you know, on borrowed time. And it's a miracle, you know. I, I have a bet going on with a friend at the moment, actually, whether it will be Taylor or Solskjaer that goes first. And I'm amazed that either of them have retained their jobs for this long. But I think from my sort of, from my perspective, I wonder if in a way the bad refereeing is actually helping Gareth Taylor because it's giving him these excuses and these things to put out. And it's giving him these things to deflect. And I think you saw it again against um, Chelsea last weekend. I will happily say the AKB challenge on Lauren Hemp was a penalty. In real time when I was watching it, I wasn't sure because when players are moving at that speed and they collide, you don't really know. That's when, you know, if you've got television replays and this is where VAR is meant to be useful, that is a clear and obvious error. And it doesn't take a genius to go and look at the screen and say, yep, there's a collision there. Yep, it's a penalty. Now, this is why... I suppose, bone of contention with VAR is that if you're bringing VAR in for decisions like that or things like the Beth Mead offside, which is a clear and obvious decision, or the handball, that's fine. What I really don't want to see VAR come in and do, and this is where I'm concerned it would be a case in the women's game because I think there's an issue at a grassroots level of refereeing and a root and branch issue, is it becoming too finickety and seeing situations like we saw last year in the men's game for a period of time where because they don't really know how the technology works, they're over-officious. Because what I absolutely do not want to see in a game is the game stopped four or five times for lengthy VAR checks because, you know, Sam Kerr's ponytail has gone offside because of wind. And that sort of nonsense like that. Or, you know, I do not mind conceding a goal if my player, you know, for whatever reason, a player's fingernail is offside. If their fingernails offside, to me, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, you're not going to play the ball with your arm. You're not going to do that. And people talk about this, you know, oh, the arm gives them a natural advantage. I haven't ever seen, you know, a 20 goal a season striker do it by punching it into the net every single time. It just becomes like, you know, really, really silly. And I think people's excuses against VAR now in the women's game, it comes down to two things, which I think neither of which are justifiable, is that number one is that you can't have the infrastructure to do it. We've got the infrastructure to put a big money TV deal in and get sky cameras at every game. It shouldn't be that hard to put in the infrastructure for VAR. Number two is that people don't want it. And I can't understand why, if people were saying they don't want that, why then they will then continue to moan and criticise about the referees. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of the TV deal, 
Um, speaking of that, there, there, the, there's so many more eyes on the league, you know, uh, than there have been before. Uh, I mean, I, and y'all probably know more about the viewership numbers and things like that, you know, now versus a season ago. Is this a new issue, meaning that are we, is it now that since there are more eyes on the referees now from fans and so forth that we're seeing, you know, more of these, you know, uh, reactions and bad decisions? Uh, and Or has this been this way all along? And I, and I guess maybe the better way of asking the question, is the refereeing worse this season? Is it about the same? Is it any better than it was, let's say, last year? I think no. the major difference. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I would agree with Josh. I don't think it's got any better. In fact, in, in some cases, I think some the standards actually dropped a bit. Now, last season, it was different. None of us could get to games. None of us could get in. We couldn't see. We are watching everything on the telly. And one of the issues we are watching it on the telly, if you're watching it on the FA player, you only had one camera view. You couldn't see any replays. You couldn't see this. The commentators got most of the names of the players wrong. It was, it was actually a, just a, a little bit farcical last season. However, from a United standpoint, from when I started watching the women's team in 2018, from the championship, the standard was, yeah, you know what? It was all right. It wasn't great. It was all right. It was a, and the championship is a part-time league with part-time referees. So you expect a set standard. And you can hold your hands up with that. However, when you go into a full-time league, you expect the refereeing standard to be a lot better. And that if they, you know, what I would love to happen, and it's been talked about from the men's game for years upon years upon years, is that after a game, a referee comes out and explains their decisions. Mm. It's never going to happen because it's going to add more controversy, controversy to, to the conversation anyway. So the referees just don't say anything, which if they could come out and go, do you know what? It wasn't an offside, it, but I only get one look at it. I made a mistake. Yeah. Sorry. That's not going to help fans. It's actually going to make them even worse because they're going to say, well, why did he give it offside then if you knew it wasn't offside? And mm -hmm. I think Rob makes the point with the technology that we now have and the infrastructure that there now is in the women's game from the big clubs, you know, Arsenal, United City, Chelsea, we could have VAR, we could have goal line technology, we could have all of it. It's just that the league is so far behind where it should be, in my opinion, mm. that it's it's not going to happen for at least five, maybe ten years. And by yes. then, what the FA are trying to say is say, we're trying to make the WSL into the world's biggest women's league in the world ever. It's not going to happen until you get the basics right. And the refereeing, and going back to the original point, the refereeing standard in the championship is one thing. Part-time league, part-time refs. Bringing full-time refs into the WSL. Because until you do that, yeah. it's not going to get any better. And it's a very basic thing. You look at the very early years of the Premier League, you had um, referees who were part-time. You had one who was, um, I can't remember his name, David Ellery. David Ellery. He was a headmaster at a school. And he was at school during the day, then he drove to the game, and then he went back to school. And as soon as they all went full-time, the product got better. And that has to happen in the WSL. Get your referees full-time, the product will get better. 
So, um, Josh, you said, no, the referees haven't gotten any better. It's actually been yeah. worse, or is it the same? No, I just think it's the same. But I think it's the same because, like, there hasn't been the same, you know, scrutiny on it. You know, Sky Deal and more people are watching it. I mean, stadiums. And this is the thing with, with, with VAR is I don't think we will see VAR until, you know, the stadiums start to get sold out as well. Until mm. we attract more fans to the game. And Emma Hayes basically said that after the first day of the season against Arsenal. Um, it's it's not going to happen until, you know, more fans start coming to the grounds. But I don't think the referee has got any worse. But I just think it's because there's more eyes on the league. Like it's on Sky, it's on BBC. Mm-hmm. So... Mm. And I absolutely agree with Mark as well. I think until there is the full-time referees, then it's it's not going to change. I mean, how many times has there been a really, really bad challenge in the WSL and it's been a yellow card? It's, yeah. they're, so, they're so lenient as well. I mean, you have to basically break someone's leg to get sent off. You have to, like, it's madness. I mean, yeah. George Stanway a few weeks ago in the Derby, yeah, great decision, correct decision. But how many times has that happened previously? And it's just been like, and, and I hate saying it, but I think it's because of the gender as well. I think people are saying, oh, she didn't mean to do that. Yes, she mm. did. But I think yeah. it's because it's still so lenient that they're like, ah, she's a woman. And you're like, and then you're, I just think that's a really, really big point. It's like, it's, if it's a bad tackle, it's a bad tackle to red card. Simple as that. So, Josh, so before, Mark, before I, before, before I get to you, uh, Josh, um, yeah, I want to put a flag in the player safety issue because I was going to get to that. It was going to get to that next, but because I think that's, I think to me, that's actually the most important issue, actually, to me. But Rob, your your thoughts about you know the refereeing from last year to this year, and Mark, I'll get to you right after Rob. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said so far. I think there's to me there's twofold other issues that you sort of bring into it. Number one, and I think Josh makes a really good point that it's the consistency is what annoys me. Um, And I say this as a beneficiary from a Chelsea women's point of view. I have seen decisions that have been given as yellows against opposition players when I've seen Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby go through, that when Magda Eriksson and Millie Bright do the exact same foul, they get away with it because they do it so much less. And, okay, I understand there's a topping up procedure, but if it's a cynical foul to stop an attack, it's the same cynical foul, whether it is, you know, Frank Kirby or you know, an 18-year-old debutant who's come on as a substitute. It shouldn't matter who the player is, but I think at times you have an element of that. And you see that in the men's game where certain players get away with an awful lot more. I mean, Fernandinho at Manchester City is one of them. I mean, he, you know, pretty much fouls anything that moves for 90 minutes and somehow avoids never getting booked. Um, And you sort of see it again. The one at Chelsea, I know, Sophie Ingle. Sophie Ingle, I really love Sophie Ingle. But she's the classic archetypal defensive midfielder. She commits about four or five fouls that should be a booking. And on the fifth one, she'll finally get booked for it. And by that point, Chelsea have got a 3-0 lead. And it doesn't matter if they can see the goal on the counter-attack because they've got the lead. And Emma Hayes can now bring off Sophie and go, well done. And I've seen that so many times. The only time I haven't seen that is when it was in UWCL last year. And in UWCL, it went the other way where they were overly efficient. And everything was a foul. Everything was a yellow card. The other one I think that's interesting is the point at empty stadiums last year. Last year when there were empty stadiums, I think referees were a lot more willing to give decisions last year when there wasn't crowds. Because when there are crowds, and especially at places like Kings Meadow and at Lay Sports Village, where you've got, you know, vociferous home support that make it all, I mean, Nat alone, I mean, if Natalie is listening to this, I know she alone will contest every referee decision she doesn't like. 
Um, and she won't mind me saying that. But, you know, I am uh, sort of the same as, you know, if I'm at Chelsea, I know Dean, Dean Mears will be, you know, continually having a dialogue of why the referee is appalling at Chelsea until we get a penalty, in which case they're the best referee ever. Um, and I think the issue is now you've got fans back in the stadium, you're starting to see an element of it from referees of the, there were decisions that they give last year just instinctively that they're now hesitating to give or they're giving the other way because you've got fans putting pressure on them. And I think that partly comes down to the fact referees are still part-time and they've not been fully trained to be ready for, you know, have the eyes on them and to have, you know, a viewership of, I think, what was it, 900,000 watching the um, North London derby at the weekend. I'm sure, you know, the referee has not, the referee in the game has never had that sort of level of scrutiny on them before. So in a way, I feel sorry for them because it's not only their fault, but it just needs better root and branch development for the entire thing. Mark, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I actually want to come on to a couple of points that Josh and, and Rob made. Firstly, I, I agree with Josh with everything he said. You know, uh, I think a, a female referee is less likely to give a card to a female player, whereas if when it's a male referee, they will book a player. They will take it. But also, if it's a yellow card... It's a yellow card. I don't care if you've got five legs, six legs, you've you, you got green hair, red hair, I don't care. It's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. And as much as, as fans in the crowd, our job is to get on, you know, not what our job, but fans do get on the backs of referees. But if it's a wrong decision, it's a wrong decision. You can't look around at any other point then. Is that right? No. Then just... You know, we we there's an example. Can I share? I'm going to give you an example of a decision that is just completely wrong. Can I share the screen share, uh, Keith? Yes, go go right ahead. Thank you. As long as it's appropriate for children, it's appropriate for children, right? <laughs> all right, all right. I'll put it up right now. Hold okay, on. there we go. So all right. this is from an FA Cup game against Reading in March in February 2020. We were at this game. Fans. Now, we were defending a free kick. So you can see the wall and you can see the player The player where the ball is, is Katie Zellum. She's got her hands up over her shoulders. That referee of that game gave that as a handball. How is that right? How is, how is that not basic? Well, it's basic anatomy for a start that like you don't know your head from your hands. And how is that? given as a handball. If anyone can explain the logic to me, how that can be given as a handball, you're a better person than I am because I can't. I can't. I can't understand that logic. And it's those decisions that I rate fans. It's that decision. It's mm -hmm. decisions on that basis that get you upset. If it's, you know, we mentioned the tackle, uh, the Georgia Stanway tackle. It was a red card. The referee got it spot on, sent the player off. However, straight after that, she then tried to even it out. And every mm. little decision that United... Yeah. And that, and that's also the issue. They try to even it out if they can. It, the rules are the rules. You stick to the rules. Yeah. And but unless they do that, we're going to have these conversations for years upon years upon years. So, the and, I, and that gets me, you know, and... and you know, and, and you talk about the basics and, and I think that that's, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You know, if, if they're not getting the basics right, 
then that's a big problem in of itself. And <laughs> excuse me. And to me, the other issue is which also can negatively impact uh, results. And but also worse than that, it could negatively impact people's careers in, you know, players careers in, and going back to what Josh said uh, and also going to the inconsistency that was spoken of, because, Rob, you mentioned in the in a Champions League match how the referees were calling everything. But I was watching the semi, uh, one of the, the first leg of the semifinal between PSG and Barcelona at PSG. And the game in the first half descended into almost complete chaos because the referees were not in control of the match, would not card anyone for any physical play whatsoever. And essentially it turned into a scenario in which players were just, you know, uh, going after each other left and right with tackles that could have potentially seriously hurt somebody. And it wasn't until late in the second, midway into the second half, did the referee finally say, you know, enough is enough, you know, uh, you know, you know, and it's like somebody could have been seriously injured in how physical and, and because the referees weren't in control, weren't calling fouls, weren't giving yellow cards. If the referees in that match had given a yellow card, as said, as we've spoken of before, the basic, if it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. If he had done that, then the game would have gotten better in control. It would have been safer and it would have been more in, you know, it, there wouldn't have been that risk there. Players careers are very, very short. Yeah. They're incredibly short. And then to have a referee not call a safety issue calls, which were like tackles and things like that, rough play, et cetera, et cetera, then that puts players' careers at risk. It puts a lot of, you know, and that is that is a serious problem to me is that these calls need to be made, you know. And, Rob, you mentioned it. this happens in the men's game too where, you know, you have certain players you never will get a card for some reason so it doesn't really matter but i just feel like you know one of the referee's jobs is to make sure the rules are followed in terms of how you know how the game is played this is not a game in which there's no physical contact we would not we would hate the game if there was no physical contact but there's the other side of it which is you know i don't want to see someone carted off the the pitch with a torn acl that blows their career pardon the pun um you know because of a call that should have been made like 17 minutes ago and they just continued to deteriorate. Um, ultimately, and, and so- ultimately, the job of the referee, not only, not, only, not only to referee the game, it's also to make sure the players are safe. Yeah. And there's yeah. tackles that we see in the men's game that I've seen that, you know, you know, you, Rob mentioned Finadinho. I mean, he, I think he could walk onto the picture with a machete and he still wouldn't get a yellow card. Um, <laughs> and that's coming from a United fan who... You know, get the safety. You know, you're supposed to protect the players. You know, we've talked about the Georgia Stanway. It was the right decision. It was a red card. But how many times have you seen in the women's game a player come in from behind, which is an automatic yellow card anyway, and the referee yeah. goes, play on. Yeah. And the referee, and, and it's, it's, it's those things, Keith. It's, it's along those things. And I, I, I am completely up with you on your point of player safety. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Mark with that with, when he says that so many players go in from behind. And honestly, if you watch Arsenal, like obviously I watch every game for Arsenal, Beth Mead every single week, someone will go in from that angle and then from behind. And okay, I get that she's quick and she is very, very fast, but every single game 
someone will go in from behind. And same as Katie McCabe, they, they, they all go in from behind. It, it's it's madness how how often, how frequent they get away with out of card as well. And I'm saying Katie McCabe makes those fouls as well, by the way. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, 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 but it's so, like, Rob pointed out with Sophie Engel. Exact yeah. same with Katie McCabe. Katie McCabe will need about three challenges before she's even spoken to, never mind getting the card. And that is the inconsistency of the league. It's it's just bizarre just how it works. Mm, and that's what I think, you know, what really frustrates me is when you see challenges that are identical, like identical challenges get such different situations. I mean, I can't, there was one of the games last year I watched... Um, I can't was it maybe Chelsea Birmingham possibly where there was an absolutely shocking tackle on Sam Kerr. It was a red card, and then five minutes later, I watched Melanie Lurpols do the exact same thing, and I thought, well, oh, she's in trouble here, and got away with it. And I think the Chelsea actually got the free kick somehow. And you just look at it, and you're absolutely baffled by these decisions. And I think again, going back to the earlier point, what I would really love, and uh, there was a clip of it on social media, they did it in a league game a few years ago, Jared Gillett got mic'd up for a game so you could hear him communicating with the VAR team and with the assistant referees. And I would, I think personally, I'd still be annoyed at errors, but I would understand them more if I could actually hear the referee and hear their thought process because it's going to reveal one of two things for me. Either alternatively, it's going to reveal that, you know, they made a genuine error and that's fine if it is the case. If... Otherwise, it's going to reveal that, you know, they're not fit for their job. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. But if you want a top quality product and a top quality game, which is what we want WFL to become, then you need the refereeing to be on that standard. And, you know, I I said it, I I fear this is what's going to end up happening is that in the women's game, it's going to take a cup final or something like that being decided by a contentious decision I mean, it took it in the men's game. It took Frank Lampard's ghost goal for us to actually have a proper debate about VAR in the men's game. Um, I think it's going to take, in goal line technology, it's going to take something like that, I think, a major international tournament. I just really pray it's not England next year at the Euros because I've seen this horrible scenario in my head next year where it's refereeing at the Euros. I think they've already said they're not going to use VAR at the Euros next year. And, you know, a contentious decision goes against England and robs them the chance of going through to, say, a home semi-final or something. And then, you know, suddenly everyone will have a proper conversation about it and we'll be like, oh, we need to sort this and sort it out instantly and ignore the fact that it's been a problem for such a long time. Yeah, that and the, you know, I, it, I mean, if it comes down to something like, quote, really bad happening, I would rather, and that's what I feel like is going to happen too, uh, I hope it's that, Rob, instead of the other one, which would be worse, which is someone's rear ends, uh, you know, be, of a call, because calls weren't made earlier in the match. And then there's a hard tackle and then someone, you know, almost loses their career, uh, you know, because game, the game got out of hand and was unmanaged um, and so forth. That That's my that's my biggest fear um, and so forth is is that. So, Mark, you're about to jump in. We're, we're about to kind of switch gears and go to the yeah. possible solutions. You, you talk, I mean, I agree with Rob. I've agreed with it. I'm agreeing with Rob, uh, Rob and Josh and everything they're saying. You know, the technology is there. It's been used in the men's game. It's been used in the in the World Cup, the Women's World Cup in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What 
you know, and we all hear the stories about uh, on the FA and, the, and their budgets and their famous budgets that like they can't afford this and they can't afford that. But this is, you know, you, you, you know, you've got some of the women's teams now playing at the men's ground. So you've got some, you know, Birmingham are playing at St. Andrews. Well, they've got the infrastructure. They can use it. They've got it. And, you know, there are certain grounds where, you know, Lee Sports Village, you know, it isn't a proper football ground. It's a rugby ground. So you understand mm. that they haven't. Mm. But if, if the clubs and the FA can agree to the infrastructure to be changed, then I don't see why not. But that's only, But for me, that's only going to cover over the cracks. The referees need to, and I say it again, the referees need to go full-time first. That's the yeah. first major step. Once that happens, everything else can fall into place. And I think it, it, once that happens, it can fall into place quickly. But... The, the infrastructure's there at most clubs. It's, it, you know, it's down to the famous FA budget. And that, for me, is, is part of the issue. So uh, the one thing that we, and, and this kind of feeds into what we're talking about, about, you know, the technology aspect of it, uh, is the one thing we, we hadn't mentioned, you know, in much detail, and, and for a time sake, we won't get into it too much. But also there's goal line technology. Um, there have been several matches that, that have been played out where there were, you know, goals that may not have been goals because the ball didn't completely cross the line uh, or the other way around and vice versa. So there's that piece of it uh, as well, uh, where you, you know, we're trying to have the lines person, you know, judge when another ball completely went over the line or not. And, you know, those are critical decisions, obviously a goal being taken away or a goal that's there um, and so forth. That's happened in, in at least three or four matches that I've seen so far. Um, so there's that piece. Um, it happened to United in, in, in their favor one time and also against them one time at least um, as well. So there's that piece of it. But I think that fits into the technology piece. But let's go into, let's go into for time's sake, let's go into this possible solution. So I've heard two, I, I've heard two solutions. One is the VAR solution which is let let's have var let's bring var into this and then i've heard the other the other solution into let's professionalize properly train and make yes. referees full time so which solution is the best right now realistically um what what's y'all's thoughts on what needs to happen first in terms of fixing this issue because we all agree this is an issue i don't think there's anyone listening or anyone watching this that that we could easily could say in in any reasonable way that it's not an issue um mm. and so forth I, I don't think so i think we've made a compelling argument so what should happen next what should happen next personally i'd love to see the fa go to because sean messi ellis i think it's fair to say a is one of the best referees Marie is an incredible line person and C is a huge, you know, advocate for the women's game and is a, you know, that one to use word because I detest it, poster child for it. The FA should be getting her in charge of the refereeing programmes and developing the refereeing programmes because she's been there, she's done that, she's come through and, you know, she now represents And I've said to someone else, I really couldn't care who referees the game. I couldn't yeah. care if, if it's a man, if it's a woman, if you know they're old, they're young, whatever. If they've you know got an afro, whatever. I really couldn't care. But all I care about is they know what they're doing, and they know what they're doing. And that is what with Sean Massielis. You always know with Sean Massielis, you're going to get a game where there's not going to be disruption. You're not going to think, you know, at the end of it, oh, is the referee going to spoil this game? 
because she just gets on with it. She just wants it to be a good game. She wants to focus on the football. She doesn't be overly officious. She lets the game flow. And in an ideal world, I want us to get to a point where you look at the names of referees and you think, who are they? Because let's face it, all of us look at names of referees now in WSL and think, oh, Christ, not her. Or, or you know, Christ, you know what's happening this weekend then. And it's the same in the men's game. I would love to get to a point where I look at the referees and think, oh, well, when did they last referee us? Because I don't, you know, as a Chelsea fan, for instance, whenever I see Anthony Taylor, I can immediately mark, well, there's, you know, definite three points lost there. <laughs> And, you know, Arsenal with Mike Dean, I'm sure whenever you see Mike Dean on for Arsenal, you know, right, well, time to bet for a penalty against my side. Um, and I would rather, you know, if it got to a point where I didn't recognise any of the referees' names, I'd be the happiest person alive. Because, I, you know, that's what I don't go to the matches to critique the referee and to go and hurl abuse at the referee and to say, didn't they do a shocking job? I go to watch, you know, 22 players kick the ball around and inevitably Sam Kerr scores a goal. Josh. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think first and foremost, yeah, professionalising the referees, simple as that. You know, train them up to to be full time in, in, in the full time league. I think that's, you know, that's just again we've said the word quite a lot, but basics. Um, like they have to be, for me, they have to be full time and have to be professional because it is a top top league, and the more and more that you know the league gets watched and throughout the world the more and more that you want the referee to do a top-class job. Um, so, yeah, I think professionalising the referee, first and foremost, I think that's what you got to do. I think VAR, I mean, like we've said, for me, it's still a little bit unrealistic in terms of, for now, for right at this moment of time, because of the stadiums that, you know, the team's playing, Arsenal and Bournemouth, and Arsenal would need to go through Bournemouth. And I, I just and Chelsea, I don't know if Kings Meadow could sort of hold v, VAR. I'm not really sure sort of what would happen there. So I've, I think... I've been told that there is the capacity at King's Meadow if they wanted to, to put in the right gantries and stuff to, to put a VAR, to put VAR in. In theory, VAR is designed to be able to go in any stadium. And it's the issue is now is where the money comes from to implement it seems to be sort of the issue. And as usual, it's the FA wringing their hands and saying, oh, well, yeah. we can't afford that. We can't do that. But inevitably, money will be going into sponsors' pockets and into entertaining, you know, various powers that be at games. Yeah, so I just think that, you know, right now, I just think full-time referees is the way to go. I think that we have to do that. I think, first and foremost, I think it's the easiest thing to do as well um, for currently. So that would be sort of my solution, is to just just professionalise it, make it much, much better and Rob's solution as well with you know Sean Sean Marcellus. I think it's a I think it's an unbelievable solution. I've I've never I I never thought that deep into it, but yeah, look when when you think about it, it it's I've never ever watched a game that she's been officiating and she's made a mistake. She always seems to get a hundred percent spot on. So yeah, that's a prime example that she could come in and you know sort of lead that program and then hopefully that sort of other women referees follow in, in her footsteps. Mark, what do you, what, what's your, what's your solution? Do you, you want to go, you want to professionalize first or you want to put in the technology first or how do you want to, how do you want to do that? I, I, I completely agree with both Josh and Rob. Professionalize the refs first. First and foremost, it's, as, as Josh said, it's easy to do. It's the easiest thing to do. And you look at the standard of the refereeing from the very early, I said it before, from the very early years, 
of the Premier League to now is is completely different. These ref the referee the men's referees they train together. They 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 do their off season together. They do their pre season together. They're, they're constantly learning, and that's what you want. You want them to constantly learn. And then you can talk about the technology side of things, the the goal line technology, the VAR further down the line. But do that bit right. But the the, the the, the, there isn't maybe another way. We've just had Women's International Week, uh, Men's International Week, and we've had Women's Inter- uh, Women's Football Weekend. None of the male referees, so you know, we talked about Mike Dean, we've talked about all these. None of these referees were refereeing, unless it's Anthony Taylor who's you know gone somewhere on his holidays and he's gone to whoever. Those, the rest of the referees are free. Get them to referee a women's game at Women's uh, Women's Football Weekend. Do it. Show them a proper standard of refereeing. It's you know, it's a simple thing. It, I've, I've mentioned it before. I would love to see Mike Dean refereeing a women's game because the, and you know, because of his uh, personality, I think it would be really good and really enjoyable. But you have male referees who, during international weeks, do nothing. Bring them over. Let the female referees be in the stands watching the male referees mm-hmm. because they'll be mic'd up. We'll be able to hear what they're saying. It's, it's something very simple, and it's it's maybe a uh, it's maybe a solution that won't happen, and I don't expect it will. But you know, use the male refereeings, use them, just use them. They're, you know, they're not going to referee every game. I don't want them to. But fee- professionalize the female refs. It, you know, that's first, and then everything else, like I said before, can just fall into place. So. Is there any argument to bring the technology in first since most, if not all, fields, grounds have the capacity to do it? Any argument in favor of that? Not from me. If there's capacity, it's fine. I, I if there's not capacity, I think it's, you know that's another broader issue. We you know probably didn't have a whole episode to discuss is where does WSL go? Because what I'm concerned is going to start happening is you're going to end up with a situation where you'll have a very small crop of very big clubs that are investing in their sides and then a group of teams that are just struggling to keep up and struggling to hold water. And I know the TV deal is meant to negate this, but I think more needs to be done on a, a root and branch level again in order to ensure that that's not the case. Because I think ultimately what we really don't want the WSL to become and what won't help it grow is if it becomes like the Bundesliga where, you know, Bayern win it every single year and or you know, what is threatening to happen in Spain, let's face it, can any of us see Barcelona losing the title in Spain for the next five years? At the moment. No. No. Exactly. No. Exactly. And it's the same as in France. I mean, it got to a point in France with Lyon last year where most of the country in France hate PSG for what happened with the men's side and the fact, you know, that they've invested huge in the men's side and ruined it. But for PSG women, they banded around them last year because it became anyone but Lyon. And I think that's what you don't want it to end up in in WSL, where it literally just becomes one dominant superpower that is just winning everything and then not going to grow the game that way. You're not going to see it grow. The Premier League has grown so much because the fact that there's been periods where you've had Arsenal doing well, then Manchester United doing well, then Chelsea doing well, Liverpool coming back into it, Manchester City coming out of it, Leicester shocking everyone and winning it. You know, that is what's going to grow. It is different winners, not just, you know, a Chelsea or an Arsenal, Manchester United every single year, just steamrolling everyone inside. Yeah. Yeah. 
there are people that are, you know, and going back to going back to the VAR situation, there are people that absolutely loathe VAR, period. Uh, and, and so forth. Um, <laughs> so Mark, <laughs> uh, and so forth. So do you see a scenario in which, because I, I'm, I've been looking through some of the stuff with the NWSL, which also does not have VAR, also does not have full-time referees either. Um, and so we have the same problems with the NWSL as, as well, even though um, the, you know, most of the grounds in the NWSL are p- potentially equipped to have VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but here's the thing. So, would you are you all in favor of ever having VAR or not? Would you like to just see like no, let's not have VAR at all, and maybe have goal line technology once the the referees are are professionalized and full time? Mark, go ahead. I want. I'll start with you. Um, I'm in favor for it for both. However, there is a however. Rob said it earlier on. The decisions on VAR take far too long to come yeah. through. And it really, and it, and at some points, you know, I, I'm very lucky. I can go to Old Trafford and I can sit at Old Trafford. And is it in the ground and at Stamford Bridge as well, where I've been, and, and even the Emirates, when you're having a VR decision, you in the crowd haven't got a clue what's going on. All you know is that VR decision is going around on, on the hoardings. Now, I'm not asking them to put multi screens up so we can all have a look, but VAR. You know, Rob said it before. If if you know Sam Kerr's ponytail is offside, does that make her offside? It's it's it, it's the technology isn't there, and it slows the game down because the game never gets back up to full pace after a VAR decision. It, it kind of stagnates. So yes, I'm in favour for it, but they have to make the decisions a lot quicker. You know, you look at uh, the rugby Super League here. The decisions are made within seconds. The cricket, yeah, it's a minute. But it's a minute because they've got to have a look at all everything else. With football, they drew two. You know, if it's an offside decision or it's a red card, they can make that decision within seconds. But for some reason, it takes them two, maybe three minutes because they've got to make sure the lines are, are perpendicular and absolutely straight. And it's the biggest annoyance. But it's a bigger annoyance to the fans in the crowd because we don't know what's going on, and they can't do. I, I, I don't expect the FA to do everything. But what I do expect them to do is explain why or show us why it's offside on the screens. Because, as I said, Stamford Bridge have screens, Emirates have screen, uh, screens, Tottenham. Show us after the decision's been made to go, that's why. Fine, we can yeah. handle that. But um, they're not going to do that. And I, I just don't want it to happen because I think that until they can speed up the process, it's not going to make the game any better. But for goal line technology, I'm fully for it because it's it's a sensor yeah. in the ball crossing a line. It's easy to do. Yeah. Josh, exactly what, do you think? what are your thoughts? No, I'm exa- exactly the same. I mean, if if you know if you can get VAR, brilliant, absolutely. I agree on the decisions as well. It does take too long. But like Rob pointed out earlier, what would worry me with also with VAR is you know. The, those lesser, if you want to put it in that bracket, clubs struggling with it, like Birmingham City, for example. Mm. Birmingham City hardly have a penny to their name, and are they going to, you know, struggle financially with it? That would be my sort of big problem. We don't want to lose clubs as a whole because of technology. I mean, there's much more to football than technology, and I mean, we all want the decisions to get right, absolutely, hundred percent. But we don't want a, 
a fan base to lose their club because they simply can't afford it. So that would be my main concern with it. Um, and also, you know, goal line technology would be the first thing I would do because, you know, most leagues well, in England have it. The Premier League, even the Championship have it now. So League 1, League 2 don't. But, I mean, I just think for a top league like the WSL, goal line technology is key because we've had so many scenarios ready this season that, you know, that it has gone in or it hasn't and their goal's been awarded or it hasn't. So I think goal line technology would be the first thing that I would do with the technology and then VAR can follow. But I just, my only concern would be can those lesser clubs outside the Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, can they deal with it? And that would be my main concern with it. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree broadly with what everything has been said so far. I think, you know, goal line technology to me is the first step. I can't understand why goal line technology isn't in. Goal line technology to me is different to VAR because goal line technology is an absolute thing. The ball either crosses the line or it doesn't. There is no, and that's why I think goal line technology now is such a good thing because it doesn't require a referee's opinion or someone's opinion. It's a matter of, you know, it's a, not a matter of geometry and getting, you know, the protractor out to measure the lines and get the perpendicular. I would also, my general, general point is as soon as you get the lines out for offside decisions, you give the attacker the benefit of the doubt. Unless it's a clear offside, if you can like clearly say, you know, that they're a foot offside or something, that's fine. If it's the case that their toenail might be offside or an arm's gone offside, you know, you're not going to concede a goal because a player's, a player's arm is offside. That's not why you conceded the goal. You conceded the goal because you didn't get tight to the player. So I would first give the benefit of the doubt with that. Going to sort of a more general point on VAR, I think, again, and this is why I think cricket's a really good example of it. People in cricket don't mind the review system and DRS. I remember at the time when DRS was brought in, everyone said it wouldn't work. And what they did was they tested it and they, you know, they worked out the bits and pieces of DRS that did work and they kept them and they got rid of the parts that don't work. This is the stage I think VAR is at now and it needs to be, you know, they need to continue doing this. Because in DRS, when you have a DRS decision in cricket, you you know, if you've got the, um, you know, you watch it on TV or you're in the ground because you have the radios, you can hear exactly what they're looking at. And you can hear them, you know, discussing is the front foot OK? Is the ball tracking in line? Front on spin vision? Can we see snipper? I don't understand why. And, you know, they've said it before on broadcasting. It's some issue with broadcasting rights and with, you know, Stockley Park or whatever, that they can't show VAR decisions in the stadium. But they can show them on TV. And I agree, I've been at a game before when there's been a VAR decision. And it was a caller came in and the referee stopped the game to say, VAR decision, we had five minutes waiting for a VAR decision and nothing was given. And no one had any clue on earth what on earth was being looked at. And eventually after the game, I found out the reason why there was a VAR check was because there might have been the ball brushing against someone's hand when it had come across. And when you watched it, it clearly came off the head. It doesn't take a genius to watch it, you know. I would take the, the Bundesliga have a great approach for VAR, actually, and I would take their approach. I think they've got a 30-second window to make the decision, and they give yeah. them a 30-second window to make the call. And if they can make the call in 30 seconds, they can send the referee over to review it on the screen. They can watch it once and make the call. If not, they have to move on. And I think that's the way you speed up VAR decisions. You give them the 30-second window, because let's face it, if we give the likes of Mike Dean or Anthony Taylor... If we, you know, suggesting we want the draft room, if we give them the chance to sit and agonise over a decision for 20 minutes, you know, because it feels like out on the sideline. Let's face it, VAR, the longest things in a game, the two longest things, the two most frustrating things, are when a corner hits the first player 
and when there's a VAR check. Because during yeah. a VAR check, all you see is the players just got the crowd around the referee. The referee's got stood there with, you know, their mic to their ear. You've got no idea what they're talking about. And then at some point, they will eventually decide to go look over at the screen. You'll see it and think, well, why on earth did it take that long to make that decision? And if it takes that long to make that decision, it's not clear and obvious. If it's clear and obvious, it doesn't take, you know, two minutes to make a decision. You make it in 30 seconds. It's a handball. It's a foul. It's a penalty. And until we get to that point with VAR, I don't actually want to see it brought in in the women's game. Because I think at the moment, the women's game, one of the beauties of it is the fact it isn't really disrupted. There isn't as much play acting. There isn't as much nonsense as you get in the men's game. Players in general do respect the referee more. You don't get as much back chat. You don't get as much dissent. You do sometimes get the time wasting, but in general, you know, it is dealt with pretty well, in my opinion. As soon as you bring VAR into that, you'll have situations, and especially in games where it's big matches, I can see situations where you'll start seeing teams pressuring the referee to go and have VAR checks and go and look at the TV and, you know, look at the monitor because they will want to get that decision. And, you you know, people will see certain referees as softer touches and think, oh, well, you know, if we put the pressure on here, we can get a decision. As soon as the referee goes over to the monitor, has anyone seen the referee go to the monitor and not give the decision afterwards? I think I've seen it a grand total of once when they've gone and watched it. As soon as they yeah. go over to the monitor, you're pretty much saying that's a penalty, that's a red card, this is getting overturned. Um, yeah. If it needs it to go and look at the screen, that's fine. I don't mind that. But at least can we have some element of referee? I'd love a referee to be brave enough to actually stick with their original decision, even if it's wrong, to actually show a level of autonomy. Because if we get to a point now where referees are just being bailed out by VAR and they're happy to get decisions wrong because they're like, well, VAR will sort it, then you know that's an even worse state to be in than we are at the moment. And that is uh, actually that is the argument that people are having against VAR in the NWSL is that the argument here is is that um, they don't want the game run by technology, basically, um, and the referees run by technology. So as we begin to, to, to wrap things up, I, I look to the um, it, there were a couple of points that I think are, are important and I hope that the WSL and other women's leagues get to, which is this, is um, just to touch on a few points that everyone's made. And I'm not saying that I'm completely right on this or wrong on this, but is, is number one, uh, basically, if you don't give, if you don't train and professionalize the referees to start with, then you hand them VAR and it's like, handing you know um your credit card to a nine-year-old um where you don't know what's going to happen next because they don't know what to do and not to use it properly um and so forth i have other more graphic examples that will get me banned from youtube so um i'm using that one um so there's that so i think that has to come first there's no reason not to put in goal line technology for the reasons stated earlier um and so forth well one of the things that i think is really really important it's been touched on a couple of times is the issue of transparency um and what i mean by that what i mean more specifically around that is what the nfl does national football league for american football in the states is this is when they go to their version of our you know or instant replay or whatever they i don't remember what they call it now it's been so long um they actually will come back and they will they will tell you why they made the call that they made uh they will mm. tell you they will tell you exactly what they saw and they will tell you why the review was made 
They will tell you why they made that decision and the reason stands. Now, the fans may love it or hate it or whatever, but there is transparency involved, even if the referee is wrong um, there. Also, I do believe there is a time limit on the in the NFL as well uh, in terms of how long they're allowed to look behind the, the curtain, so to speak, um, at the system. So I think that's also in place, too, because they don't really want the NFL gets slowed down a lot anyways. And so they didn't, that's one of the argument against it to begin with was it was going to be interrupted too much. Uh, but also, we also know in the, in the national football league, there is a, there, and I, this would be really interesting in football. I'd like to get your opinion on this. There is like, there is in tennis, there is a challenge system, <laughs> you know, where, where the coaches, oh, the manager oh. can throw a flag. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, and ask for a challenge. I don't know if that'll ever work in football. That I think that would create some level of chaos. Um, uh, the challenge system at the moment is meant to be VAR. That's meant to be, yeah. the, you need to challenge a decision. And it's meant to be qualified referee. Because all I can see happening with that is that, and especially as a time-wasting tactic towards the end of games. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Into, you know, the 90th minute and, I don't know, there's a throw-in or something given you know, causing a fuss, causing the challenge, having a big brouhaha. You take a minute to decide, you know, to tell them to calm down, sort it all out. And by that point, you've disrupted any flow of momentum. And right. you're just going to, it's just going to become an advanced time-wasting tactic. So I'd hate that. That would be which one is, of those Which is why in the NFL, they took away uh, coaches' abilities to ch- challenge after, uh, prior to two minutes before. You know, at the two minute mark of halves in, in uh, full time. I'm not advocating for a challenge system. I think to me, it would have fun. to be if you had a challenge rule, it would have to be something really, really crazy. That's what VAR is meant to be because I was going to say it'd have to be for big decisions, but VAR is meant to resolve that. And if yeah. you know, you're not trusting VAR to do it, then why, why is VAR suddenly going to all I would see is especially if certain managers make challenges? I mean, like, for example, Antonio Conte making a challenge, the poor bloody fourth official is going to be terrified. If they've got Conte steaming down the touchline, <laughs> sort of, you know, to absolutely, you know, javelin the flag at him to get the challenge. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. I, 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 I watch NFL. I'm a big NFL fan. And I like the way the challenges happen. I like the way they, they can challenge it. But I also, uh, the thing about it is, and you mentioned it, Keith, the way they explain their decisions, and I mentioned it earlier, it's not going to happen. It's not really going to happen in football because the, the referees will be get ridiculed. However, on Sky Sports every Monday at 11.30, there is a show called Ref Watch. Mm. And it's where mm. an ex-referee goes through some of the major decisions and tries to talk and through to try to make it normal. That, that would be great if a referee would come out and Sky are now putting in, obviously, the WSL decisions and saying, you know, mm. I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. That's great. But it's after the fact. Yeah. And whereas in the NFL, it's live, it's it's done. You know, Rob mentioned yes. about cricket, when you've got the review system, you've got 15 seconds to make a mind up whether you're going to review it or not. It's, you've got, you, you, the technology is there and we keep talking about the technology, but we keep going back to the same point. Get the goal line technology in first, make that better. And then maybe, you know, I was at a game where United were playing Durham at New Ferrins Park in 2018. And United were losing. So this doesn't sound like this isn't going to be sour grapes. United were losing and a penalty was given for Durham to go 2-1 up. The referee pointed to the penalty spot and you can clearly hear him saying to the assistant lino, who fouled? 
Yeah. The United player. I haven't got a clue who it was. I've, and I've got to book someone. And, he, and then he took out his card to say, well, that I can't book that player because then I'd have to send her off. I can't book that one because she's also on a yellow. Oh, I'm just going to pick you. And, he picked, <laughs> and that's what he did. And he picked, the thing about it was that was that made it even worse was he picked the player that was playing as our centre forward who was coming back. <laughs> <to him. laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. I've seen I the Chelsea Leicester game. I think it was a few weeks ago that I watched. Um, I, I was live at that game. And we were all baffled in that game because Sophie Ingle did one of her trademark... Leicester broke and Sophie Ingle did her trademark little slide tug on the shirt to give away the you know free kick. And the referee went to go and book someone. I thought, oh, that's you know good refereeing. And they booked Jess Carter. And I was like, how yeah. on earth have you got those two players confused? Because Carter was all, you know, about 20 yards away. And Emma Hayes is sat on the touchline. She's la- she was laughing at it. Because even she, you can tell even the managers, you know get confused and I don't, I don't want it to be you know this just to turn to referee bashing because I think being a referee is the toughest job in the game I think it's tougher than manager I think it's tougher than playing because it can't be easy to be out there and know every single one of the players most likely hates you but yeah at the same time I think you know it, it it's situations like that where you see it where it's just the case and this is where I think you know the, my final point is that the lines people need to help more the lines people are meant to be up and with game and are meant to have less to do than the referee so they can focus on the big decisions like the offsides or supporting the referee when it comes to big decisions. Um, I don't think I've once seen a lineswoman, apart from with clear offsides, I don't think I've once seen her when it's been a penalty or something or a decision referee, go and support the referee and go and yeah. give advice to the referee. Yeah. And that's what they're meant to be there to do. Rob. Yeah. You, you know, you played you played us a couple of weeks back. You beat us comfortably, 6-1. There's no argument in that. Keith and I talked about it. However, there were two goals that were Chelsea that were clearly offside. Oh, yeah. And that's part of the, the problem, you know, this, from, from me as a United fan. You were going to beat us whatever that day because we just weren't at the, the races. However, there were two goals that were offside because the line-out was, you know, behind the last defender. And... That's going back to the point, Keith, that we've all been making throughout this thing. Get the basics right. That's it. Mm. You're on mute. That's the first time I've ever had that problem. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, um, <laughs> um, yeah, and that just goes to goes to because this is that it re, the the basics not being done correctly is is the sign of it not being professionalized. You know, you get it professionalized, then you then you then that the basics get much closer to being fixed. It's not completely, um, you know, it's not completely solved 100 percent because there's human error involved and things like that. Um, and, and people are still going to get it wrong. But um, you you if you get professionalize everything, you make everyone full time, you have an accountability system in place. Because I know like in, in you know other leagues in the United States that you're you know every referee is graded like after every match, you know, or every game, you know, and and you don't and um even uh, there's it's incentivized where if you get higher grades then you get to to referee uh you know a, a playoff game which is even more money you know so there's like there's accountability incentivizing system in place but 
but you would feel, I think going to the WSL, if it's professionalized and everyone is full time and so forth and proper training is involved, you get someone, uh, as it was mentioned earlier, someone in charge of it, there's what they're doing. Um, you have that piece in there. Um, then um, the base, you get the basics closer to being done right. And I think that's what needs to happen first is, yeah, as you said, Mark, the basics need to be done right and so forth. So so I think we've, we've, we've kind of pretty much, uh, you know, uh, I don't think we, there's anything we have not necessarily covered. We could probably go on for hours and hours and tell stories about, you know, weird referee decisions and phantom goals and UFOs and all sorts of things um, and so forth. But I think we've come up with what the issues are, what, what some reasonable solutions are uh, and so forth. So, um, so um Closing, I, I want to do closing arguments, basically. So um, I think, Mark, you sort of made your closing argument. I'm going to, you're going to, I'm going to do uh, uh, last but not least for you. Uh, but Josh, closing arguments about the referees and what we need to do. Closing argument. Yeah, well, no, I think that we've sort of covered everything that, you know, all, all the solutions. But my, uh, my argument would just be professionalize them, go full time, and then we can sort of kick on from there. All right, Rob, your your closing argument. Yeah, I think probably agreed on that point. Professionalise them, get support in in terms of someone to lead the actual union who's been there, done that, and got the credibility, and get goal line. Goal line technology is one of the things that will also help the referees a lot because a lot of the decisions that they have to make that we scrutinise for are decisions like that that are things we could solve. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot until we do it. Okay, Mark, closing argument. Yeah, basically agreeing with what Josh and Rob said. Professionalise the refs, maybe bring in goal line technology, get a leadership team for referees, but also listen to ex-pros. These players have played the game. Listen to them. They know the, they know what's happening. They know the frustrations. Rachel Brown Finnis, she's on, you know, she's 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 got a lot of knowledge. Siobhan Chamberlain, a lot of knowledge. Listen to the pros, the ex-pros, listen to them. They can help. They're not going to make. They're not going to say anything to make it worse. They're only going to try things to make it better. Mm. Listen to them. Okay, great, great, brilliant as always with all of you. I'm, I'm so happy to keep get you all together, and we'll have to do it again on an on uh, another critical issue uh, and so forth. Um, so because it's a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Mark, Rob, Josh. Thank you all th- all three of you for joining. You're welcome. All right. No worries. Cheers. All right. So that is going to wrap up our our referees forum. The fans talk back episode. We'll probably have more. And there's a lot of other special things that are on the horizon. I'm not going to clue you in on any of them. Uh, You'll just have to wait and see. But meanwhile, let me just remind everybody, uh, we're going to have Kate on later this week to talk about Manchester City and the downward spiral that they continue to be on uh, and so forth. Is it time? Um, And um, and uh, is it time for Gareth to go? I think uh, actually Kate was probably done with him last season. Uh, I know, you know, it, there is a, I mean, I, I'm sorry, y'all, but I, to have a bet out there between who gets sacked first, OGS and Gareth Taylor is just sad. I mean, it's just sad. But I, I would love to be in on that bet, actually. But why? Who do you think, Keith? Go on. OGS. OGS. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. O- o- OGS. No. Nah, OGS is going to no get sacked. Nah, no, no OGS is going to get sacked before no, no, no. Taylor. No but chance. Ollie Gunner is there until the end of the season. 
No. That's not, no, that's no, not going to happen. He, as many times as you might like to say that I wish he would get sacked, it's not going to happen. Whereas with Gareth, <laughs> I think with Gareth Taylor, what will end up happening is Steph Horton will just get so bored, she'll just change all the locks at Manchester soon. She'll just change all the locks at Etihad Campus very shortly. <laughs> And so forth. So, um, I mean, you and I haven't had this discussion about Ollie Keith. I know he's, 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 until they can find a, a better solution, he's staying. Right. That's City's problem, too. <laughs> and, no. I, but we also know how City Football Group operate. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if City brought through someone like Jill Scott to, to be an interim or Steph I, to be an interim or oh, player manager. Jane Ludlow, I believe, is technical director at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I could definitely see that as, you know, as the interim while they work on a solution. Um, yeah, yeah. On, honestly, I, I will say it again, not on the referees, but at the moment, in all honesty, having spoken to people that know the players and stuff, they've said they've got to a point behind the scenes now, and this is genuinely quite sad because you don't like to hear it being at this point, but it's got to a point now where tactically, tactics will be given out by the manager and, you know, basically five minutes later, senior players will go to the, you know, younger players and will say, just don't do that, do what we're telling you to do instead. And it's got to that point now where tactically it's so, you know, the golf is there so much and the dressing room is so far gone, it's irreparable. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, you saw that deteriorate and go down the hill, you know, slowly, um, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and um, and poor referee decisions didn't help, you know, with that. I think that just perpetuated the the, the mess that was, uh, you know, coming on board. So, um, um, so um, I got a lot going on in the got a lot uh, I got a lot going on in the chat here. I'm not going to go into it. Um, you know, but it's uh, interesting stuff as always. But thank you all again. Uh, so thank you everyone for watching. Thank you, thank you everyone for listening and so forth. Keep following us. Uh, I'm on Twitter. You see my handle out there uh, and so forth. And uh, just let me know if there's any other special episodes that y'all would like. Please let me know. All right. So we'll have Kate on later this week to talk about City. Uh, Josh is going to come on uh, later on uh, this week as well to talk about Arsenal uh, and so forth. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think Josh, I think you were a little like. You leery of coming on right after Tottenham. Spurs game didn't exist. Didn't actually happen. It didn't actually happen. Okay. No, I mean, my comment about Spurs is this. Okay, because Spurs did the same thing to United. So is this is this thing. And that's why it'd be interesting how Chelsea deals with Spurs. Is this, is that Spurs, We you now know what they are. They who they are who we thought they were. They did the same exact stuff: disrupt, frustrate, you know, disrupt, frustrate, disrupt, frustrate, and that's exactly how it went down. And they did the same thing to United. They did the same thing to Arsenal. They did the same thing to City. And so I don't know, Rob. I, you know, this is probably for another day, but I don't know what they're going to do with Chelsea. Uh, but. <laughs> They probably will try they, to do they did it. They did it for 30 minutes against Chelsea last year in that game right at the end of the season. Right. And then Chelsea scored, I think, they scored from it was a deflected effort, I think, right. went in, right. and that was what did it. So, yeah, they can do it. They have the pedigree to do it. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and watching. Take care of each other. We're going to close this thing out, and thank you so much for watching and listening. <laughs>